If you're new again, I like to do this, but we're already six weeks in. This is Days of Noah week six. And so I, I can't belabor going back all five lessons and recapping them all. They're on YouTube. They're on our website. They're everywhere. We put them everywhere we can that you can watch them. Spotify, Apple Play, if you like videos, YouTube. Uh, the QR code will take you to all of them. Uh, all of the notes are there as well. So I do ask that what you hear today, you, you go study it. Break it out. Study it a little more. We're in week six today. It's going to sting a mite. Are you okay with that? So we'll, we'll talk about it, and I hope it'll challenge you. Now, when I talk about the days of Noah, we've been going from this scripture, Matthew chapter 24, verse 37, Jesus is talking. When the Son of Man returns, so that's future, it will be like it was in the days of Noah, that's past. So, so your future is your past, which is a rather strange thought. And I'll say this for those of us, because I found that this sermon series has intrigued a lot of people because I think people do desire to know what the future looks like. What is my future, especially as a Christian? What, is, what does the future look like? Will Jesus come? Will there be a rapture? Will there be a tribulation? Will I go through it? Will I go through the tribulation? Hey, do we exit the book of Revelation or will we go through the book of Revelation? So among Christians, there is a lot of chatter about what out there looks like, what the future looks like. Will you still be alive when He returns? So Jesus picks it up because His disciples were asking the same thing we ask. What is it going to look like when you come back? But He wants you to know that you don't have to be taken by surprise because He actually tells you what it will be like. And what I want to do today is I want to try to open your eyes to see this days of Noah a little differently than maybe you've seen it before. Here is what we've been talking about. The days of Noah is a period of time a thousand years from Adam when Noah is born. Noah was born in the year 1056 from Adam. He lived 950 years. And right here is the story most know. In 1656, which is from Adam, the flood comes and annihilates the whole world except one family. Uh, Noah and his wife and then his three sons. So eight total get on the boat. Next week, we gotta, we're going to go somewhere really fun next week. But uh, those eight people get on the boat. We're going to focus on them next week. But before we do, we're going to talk about this generation where God says in Genesis 6, as we've said two, two lessons prior, everything in the world became evil. Now it's got to be pretty bad when God says everything is evil except eight people. As a matter of fact, he didn't even say eight people. He said everything's evil but one man. And we assume that Noah's wife gets on the boat and Noah's children get on the boat in some way because God says to Noah, get them on the boat and they follow him, which is what we'll talk about next week. How did this man live that his kids would get on the boat with his, and his wife as well? So this is what I want to talk about. How do we go from created in the image of God to every human on planet earth is totally evil? Now here's my thinking. I think most people have a backward mentality when it comes to the devil. Most Christians think of him as this peon that is very stupid and dumb. And they don't realize that the devil's playing 4D chess while Christians are playing hopscotch. 
He knows you better than you know yourself. And if anybody can work you well, he can work you. Because this is what I want to talk about. I don't want to talk about all the evil people. I want to talk about the force that is behind it and what he's doing back then that will touch you and me today. Because Jesus says, whatever's going on back here is going. You can thank Google for this. I don't think Jesus was that handsome. The Bible says he was not very becoming, but Google thinks he is and AI does. So that's AI, Jesus. Uh, this is the, uh, the rendering of Google for the devil. Now this, whether we like it or not, is ingrained in our mind. Most of us will have our own image of Jesus. He's a little whiter, a little darker. He's black. No, he's more brown. He's you know, Middle Eastern, long hair, short hair, you know, there's all kind of pictures that, that, you know, artists have rendered over the years that give us the Jesus, whether he's in the den with a cup of soup or he's holding a little lamb or his little fingers like this and he's smiling. We all kind of have a picture of him. This guy's much more consistent because when you say the devil... It's pretty clear. If I would have just pointed to this guy and said who it is, you could have said Jesus, and, or you could have said Peter, or you could have said Paul, or Judas Iscariot. It, like, it's not really as identifiable. This dude, you're probably not going to call him Bucky. It, it's just the devil. It's Satan. Now, this becomes a problem, a big problem, because when you think of him this way, you're going to lose. If that's how you see the devil... You're, you've lost already because this is not even close to who he is. It feels good from all the people that assume that this is the epitome of evil. And when you watch the Grammy Awards and they all dress in red and black and have horns on their head and little pitchforks while they sing, it feels good that, oh, that must be the devil. They're all in red and black. And look at Taylor Swift and look at the Smith dude and all of them that just... But that's not the devil. This is hopscotch devil. This is not 4D devil chess. And because he was made by God in the beginning, before you ever showed up, this guy in the red with the horns has been around before there were humans. And he's a spirit being, meaning he doesn't die every generation. He keeps going through the generations. Meaning this guy with the horns, supposedly, has been watching humans from day one. And if he knows anything, he knows us. And he knows what we want and what we're chasing. I want to talk to you today about not hopscotch devil. I want to talk to you about 4D chess devil and what he's doing to destroy you. Based on Jesus saying, go look at what he was doing in Noah's day, and it'll be just like this in your day. All right? So I want to talk about the war between these two fellas. If you recall last week, Jesus, God shows up to Eve and to the serpent after Eve has bitten the fruit, and says to the red-horned devil, which was the serpent, hey, there's going to be a war between her and you. 
And the funny thing about it is it wasn't just a war that would be over next week. It would, it would be until the end of time. So the battle you're in today, if you're in a battle today, your health, your marriage, your mind, your emotions, if you're in a battle, an addiction, something coming against you, if you're in that battle, that battle is nothing new. It has been going on from day one. Don't ever think that your battle is different than any other battle that's ever happened on planet Earth. You'll feel that way. Like, I feel like I'm the only one going through this. Why? Why my husband? Why my wife? Why my marriage? You're no different than Adam from the very beginning and Eve because there was a war going on. The reason most Christians, because what we teach you as, as pastors and leaders, we teach that if you're saved, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. It, you have victory. You have freedom. You, you, you know, we give all those Christian words. You're free. You're delivered. But that would... It would make me beg to differ if that's true. Why are so many people not free? Why are so many people not delivered? I believe it's because we teach a weak religious Jesus, not the real one. And we teach a hopscotch devil, not the real one. Because once you learn the real ones, it changes everything about you. When you come into a relationship not with the painted Jesus on the Sistine Chapel, not with the religious Jesus, but when you come into contact with the resurrected Son of Almighty God, who is Yahweh, who sits on the throne, who poured out His Spirit on all flesh, who lives on the inside of you, and you understand that this guy is not some little cowboy that's just angry that there's a war going on. When you know both your Savior and you know both your antagonistic person that's coming against you, Satan, Savior and Satan, life changes. You will win the war instead of lose it. There he is again, just a selfie. He probably doesn't have a lot of chicks. This is the typical, but it's not biblical. The Bible says about Satan, also called Lucifer, also called the devil, also called the dragon. He bears a lot of names through the Bible. But his primary thing is whether we call him devil, Lucifer, dragon, Satan, serpent, whatever title we give him, Antichrist, the Bible did not title him this in the beginning. Here is his beginning from the book of Ezekiel chapter 28. This is what the sovereign Lord says. So this is nobody's opinion. This is God's opinion. Speaking of Lucifer. You were the seal of perfection. You were full of wisdom. And you were perfect in beauty. Know this about the person you call the devil. Before he was who we would call the devil, he was a created being by God that one version where we have seal says he was the sum of perfection. He was perfected beauty. And he was the sum of complete wisdom. He's not some idiot. God downloaded into this being full wisdom full beauty, full spectacular perfection. 
He was the highest pinnacle. Lucifer was the highest pinnacle of God's creation before Adam and Eve. This is why this guy, Lucifer, gets ticked when he tries to overthrow the throne and he gets booted out and then God makes a man and a male and a female in his image. This is why he's so ticked at this. Because male and female is now in the perfected image of God and this guy feels a little inferior to that. But before there was male and female in the image of God, Lucifer bore the full wisdom of God and Lucifer bore the beauty and perfection of God. Stop thinking about him with horns and a pitchfork. He was the, if I can say it again, he's the sum of God's beauty and God's wisdom. It'll go on to say this about him. You had everything going for you. You were in Eden. If you want to know more about this, my Genesis teaching talks about Lucifer in the Garden of Eden before Adam got there. You were dressed in splendor. You were studded with jewels. Does that sound like a little red pitchfork guy to you? Carmelian, peridot, and moonstone, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald. No, No wonder he could appeal to Eve. He's dressed in all the beauty. Maybe this is why Paul says, women, be careful that you don't just adorn yourself with dress and with jewelry. It's not because we're Pentecostal. The reason he was saying that is because jewels and dress, if you're not careful, you will think you're something when you're not. Because you'll have outward beauty, but your heart will be wrong. It's not that he didn't want a woman to wear a necklace or, a, or, or, or to wear jewelry. It's that he wanted us to know if you're not careful, you will be like this. You will look beautiful on the outside, but you will be evil on the inside. And that goes for women and men. It was connected to Lucifer. And then it goes to say this, a robe was prepared for you the same day you were created. And this is mind-blowing in the green, this statement. You were the anointed. How many of you ever ever heard that Lucifer was anointed? That the word anointing just says, oh, that's so Holy Ghost. Woo! Pentecost. Woo! Lucifer was anointed by God. And it caused he was the anointed cherub. A cherub was not just an angel. A cherub was a high ruling angel of God. There were said to be four of them. And he was one, the highest of all, my opinion, and I think scripturally I can back it up. He was the highest of all God's created beings. Because when Michael, the other angel cherub, came to fight him for Moses' body, when Moses died, he said, Michael, I did not give a rebuke against him. I just said, the Lord rebuke you. Because Michael here cannot rebuke uphill. You have to rebuke downhill. You don't rebuke the one over you. So he said to Lucifer, I'm not going to rebuke you. The Lord will rebuke you. Meaning that there was only one step between Lucifer and the Lord himself, which is why he tried to overthrow the throne originally. So this is not some horned, pitchfork red guy. He's an anointed cherub. And watch this, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. So if God anointed him as a cherub and made him beautiful and the sum of wisdom, even when Lucifer rebels, he still holds the gifts of God. 
He just perverts the wisdom now. He just perverts the beauty now. But he still has the beauty and the wisdom. This is more what he probably looked like. Totally different from what most would say. You can Google it all day long, what did a cherub look like, and you'll find pages of pictures. The Bible will say he's an angel of light. He was beautiful beyond description. So, this is your issue. You're playing hopscotch, he's playing 4D chess, and you're losing. You think he's just some Halloween costume. And he was created by God in perfect beauty with full wisdom. And he's playing with humans. Because his goal is to destroy the image of God. Because I'm going to be the highest being ever. Which is why Revelation says he will proclaim himself as God. He will proclaim himself as God. And you're in his way. So let's talk about it. Is everybody there before I go further? I don't want to lose you. So I want to talk about the war of two seeds because here's where it gets interesting to me. Jesus here, his 33-year blip of time. Jesus says, when I come back, here's me in 2023. When I come back, it's going to be like this. Now we just read that there's been a war going on the whole time and the war between the two seeds, Jesus' seed and Lucifer's seed. And I want to figure out what 4D chess is he playing. Because if I can figure out his 4D chess, I might be a little better off to win here than lose again. So the question becomes, if there is a being out there that is a cherub that's been anointed, that is rebelled, that is in an all-out war, how does that cherub attach himself to earth so that he shows up. Because here's the strange thing. He shows up here with Adam. He shows up at Noah. He shows up at Jesus. And he's probably showing up on your doorstep this morning. Waiting on you. So here comes the war of the two seeds. We're going to pick up Eve here at the top. She's the first time the war was ever said to start. So the war starts with her. Go to my Genesis teaching for this. I go deep with it, but for today. Do you, you ever thought about this, that Lucifer never showed up until a woman came on the scene? Because a man was no threat to him without a woman. The only way man could be a threat would be to have a woman. Because the moment the man has a woman, they can reproduce the image of God. And that was scary to Lucifer. Lucifer does not want God's image reproduced. He doesn't mind a man, no reproduction, I'll just sit here in war with one. The moment Eve comes in, he's like, no, because God said to that man and female, reproduce. What he meant is reproduce after my image and take dominion over everything. And Lucifer steps in and says, Aah! and he comes in to Eve and he begins to tempt Eve. This is what Eve said to God the day the cherub that was anointed that rebelled showed up to her. The Lord God said to the woman, that's Eve, Genesis 3.13, What is this that you have done? 
most of you may know the story. She bit the fruit. The woman, that's Eve, said back to God, The serpent deceived me and I ate. Now, because we're playing hopscotch and not 4D chess here, we look back to that and go, Dear God, I can't believe. First thing I'm going to say to them is, Why did you do that? I can't believe she didn't see that coming. Who sits around and talks with the serpent? So, my belief is this is how it really was. You don't talk to a serpent if you're scared of it. You run. My wife runs from a cockroach. If there's an animal you don't like, you leave. Or you call Orkin. Now to think 4D chess, you're thinking devil in the snake. 4D chess is Lucifer who rebelled as the anointed cherub who was full of wisdom, perfect beauty, can't just show up in the garden and go, hey, because the moment he shows up, you're going to be... You're that dude. Get out of here. We've heard about you. So the way Lucifer shows up to tempt this woman is he shows up in something God has already created that God himself said was good. Because if we go back and read the story of Genesis, God created all things and in every day God said, and it was good. So in day five and day six, God creates all the land animals. God creates the birds and the fish and all the, even one version says, and all the creepy things that crawled on the ground. So the moment, we call it a snake, right? I don't know. Obviously, the serpent had legs originally. So think iguana. Something like that. I don't even know if that could be. We just know serpent that had legs because the curse was you'll crawl around on your belly. And then we go, oops, snake. But, but before it became an evil cursed thing, she's having a conversation. Dr. Doolittle. She's chatting with an animal. Go to my book of Genesis. I talk about this. My belief is all the animals could talk before the curse happened. That's why they came in front of Adam and he goes, Name you, I name you, elephant, duckbill platypus. I named them all. Why would they care if they couldn't talk? I believe they all could communicate. We know that's true today. Dogs can talk to dogs. Every night at midnight, and then the neighbor's dog, and then the backyard dog. I'm like, my God, why do y'all talk to each other every night at midnight? And I'm, I'm thinking, my dog's going, he's asleep. And, and they're like, let's chase a cat. I don't know what they're saying. But it's like, they got to be chit-chatting about something, right? Well, so when this serpent shows up talking to her, she's not blown away. She's not like, oh, what are you saying? He can talk? So Lucifer hijacked something good created by God to weave his way into humanity. 
So the first time Lucifer shows up, he shows up as a creature that was good, but he hijacked that creature. And when he hijacked it, God says in verse 14 of Genesis 3, God said to the serpent, because you've done this, curse to you above livestock, and then this is the curse, you'll crawl on your belly all the days of your life. That's where we get the idea it's a snake. There's not much that crawls on their belly. So we get the idea that the curse was God ripped his legs off, he, he became uh, legless, and then he kind of has to crawl on his belly. But stop thinking hopscotch and think 4D chess. 4D chess, the anointed cherub shows up like a serpent so that this will never happen again God makes it clear anytime you see that animal crawling on his belly, stay away from him because that's who Lucifer used. He identified the serpent forever. Now Lucifer cannot use a serpent anymore. It's 4D chess. The first one, he says, he says the serpent and Satan hijacks an animal. Now at that moment, Satan's like, dude, I got one up on him, I hijacked an animal, then God curses that animal. He's like, oh, I can't use that animal anymore, it's cursed. I got to come up with another way to play 4D chess. So now that he did it with Eve with an animal, here's this war between two seeds. Because it's a war between the seed of woman and Lucifer, Lucifer begins to track all the women Ladies, let me say this to you. This is not a, a talk about abortion. But there is a war on the womb of women today. Yes, it's been for your womb. It's been for the child in your womb to think that the child that would be born of God is nothing more than a clump of cells and it's not even real. And there's been more murders of children in the womb of a woman. I read an article that the most dangerous place to be on planet Earth is in the womb of a woman. Because there's a war for your seed. Now the reality of this is, by the time we get to the days of Noah, everything is totally and consistently evil. How can everything be totally and consistently evil? You just take over the woman's womb. If you can control the woman's womb, you can control the future. Because Adam can't do a dad blame thing without Eve. And what she bursts out comes from her womb. So once Adam and Eve hook up to have a child, all I need to do is begin to play with the thoughts of the woman and begin to play with the uterus of the woman so that every generation I can destroy the women. It's why when you read the Bible, women were nothing more than a commodity. They were nothing more than sex objects. They were nothing more than King Solomon himself having over 700 of them to sleep with. Because the thinking even of men is women are nothing. They're nothing but tools for pleasure. They can be traded and swapped around. They're here for our pleasure and our pleasure alone because the thinking within the men are not that she bears forth the beauty of God's image, but she's nothing more than just a pleasure object. And by the time we get here, everything's evil. So what happened? Devil's playing 4D chess. I'm still looking for a serpent. He's moved way beyond the serpent. Genesis 6-4, this is the story of Noah. In those days and for some time after, Jot and Aphelites lived on the earth. For whenever the sons of God, if you want to study the Hebrew of that, almost every time this phrase, sons of God, is mentioned, it's not human. It carries a divine 
created by God in almost every translation, it is angels. The sons of God, the, the beings that God created. They're His creation. And this is strange. They had intercourse with women. So now Lucifer is not trying to tempt women with a serpent, like following every woman. Give me another snake. There's five other women. Lucifer just decides, I'm going to use some of the angels that fell with me to have intercourse with these women to corrupt their seed. Because if they're not having intercourse with men and they're having intercourse with other beings, then what comes out of a woman is not the image of God. It's the perverted seed of God. Lucifer perverted the seed of a woman. That's why by the time we get to this moment of time, this is kind of typical. Nephilites. The Bible calls them the heroes of old. They, became, they gave birth to children who became the heroes and famous warriors of ancient times. Those of you that like, we call it mythology. But Hercules, Prometheus, Odysseus, all of these, these godlike humans, kind of half god, half human. This is what was going on. This is why God has to annihilate all of them. It's why He cannot save them. He cannot save them because the whole generation is perverted. It's why He tells them when you go into Jericho, the promised land, kill everything. Kill the women, kill the animals, kill the babies, kill everything. And religious people are like, oh, he's just such a mean God that he would kill babies. He's not killing babies because the babies are babies. He's killing everybody because, again, by the time the promised land came, Lucifer perverted it. And we know the whole land is perverted because when they go to take it over, they go, dude, there's giants there. We can't touch this. Everything, when you think Goliath, don't just think some big dude like, oh, me Goliath. Think that the enemy has come to pervert humanity with these things called the giants. The typical thinking is there was a go uh, Netflix, if you don't mind, go to Netflix and look at the documentary Ancient Apocalypse. It talks about a lot of ancient cultures that saw giant beings and other beings that were intermingling with humans. Every culture, he goes into every culture's religion and studies it out that every culture believed that there were gods that played with humans throughout history. So you, you get a serpent, but you, you get cursed. So i got to come chess here. They're still looking for a serpent. Don't get near it. He shows up as angels having sex with women. That creates a problem. Why? The problem it creates is they can be killed. The rock in the head. The flood. And not only that, it, it really is kind of hard to hide an 11-foot guy with six fingers and six toes. You know, it'd be like the Nephilim, wondering if you are one, and your, your head's just above everybody else. How do you hide an 11, 12-foot human that has divine powers? How do you hide that? You can't hide it. It's why they go in and go, the, the, the land is full of the giants. So Lucifer, once he realizes that the Nephilim could almost conquer the world, we almost perverted everybody but one man named Noah. When Jesus says it will be like it was here, we got to stop thinking Nephilim. Do you think the Nephilim are here? That's hopscotch. 
He's already used the Nephilim. They got defeated. They got hit with rocks in the head. And they're really easy to spot. I'm not saying somebody eight foot tall could be one, but if, if they're about 12 feet, just think about it. Like, eh, a great basketball player, but eh, I don't know about that. Now we come to what 4D chess is he playing here? Because by the time we show up to Jesus, you don't ever even hear Nephilim anymore. The New Testament rarely even, if at all, talks about them. So my question is, if it almost works so well, why don't you keep the plan rolling? Because I was identified here in curse, I was identified here and killed, I was identified right here and I was killed off. I need to show up in another way where I can't be identified so easily. Again, 4D chess. He's playing in such a way that Leslie won't know it's him. Because it's easy to spot the devil when he's red with horns. It's quite another thing to spot the devil when it's your best friend. And Satan entered Judas. We're not playing with serpents anymore. We're not playing with angels having sex with women. We're playing with demons who decide to just get inside a human and you won't even know they're there. You walk with Jesus for three years and your best friends have no clue that you're going to be the vessel of 4D chess. By the time we get to Jesus, we don't see serpents in the Nephilim. What we do see are a bunch of humans who are possessed by the dark world and the enemy is using humans now. And not just a snake and not just women. Anybody that will say yes to Him, He will enter their life and they become demon-possessed where He can use them for 4D chess. And I want to tell you this, my take, it is very difficult to spot someone who has a demon. They'll just blend right in with everybody until you say something like, come on, just say the name Yeshua. Say the name Jesus Christ as God in the flesh and just watch them. This lady years ago came to church and she came up to the altar and they began to have an altar call and they were praying for her. And they went up to her and they began to pray. They said, just pray this prayer after me. And so she just looked like any other woman. Would have never known the difference at all. She blended right in with everybody. And they led her in a prayer. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, I confess, I confess, Jesus Christ is my Lord. Come on, Jesus Christ is my Lord. Starts hissing. She starts vibrating. I'm watching it. It's not like Hollywood. I'm sitting there like... Most Christians wouldn't even know what to do if one showed up. And they try to get her to say the name of Jesus. She can't do it. She violently begins to hiss. Violently begins to vibrate. So they think, well, it's probably not the time to deal with this in front of everybody. Let's take her to a back room. So they took her to a back room. Three grown men took her to a back room. They sat her in a chair and they said, we're just going to pray for you. And they went over to touch her and lay hands on her. And as soon as they touched her, she picked one of the men up and threw him across the room. Then she picked up the lazy boy recliner over her head and threw it across the room. My dad was in the room with them. She started whipping two of the men. 
My dad backed up and said, fellas, don't touch her. Leave her alone. Just say the name of Jesus. And those three men started going, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And she just began to fall over on the ground. Jesus, Jesus, come out of her, devil. And all of a sudden, <laughs> comes this devil out of her. Well, when she got up and came to her right mind, we went and had a chat with her and the elders of the church, the pastors, and come to find out she was the head witch of the witch coven in town that came that night to put a curse on the church. So she just blended in. Just blended in. No, not a giant. Not bumping their head on the exit sign as they leave. Keep an eye on him, ushers. He just bumped his head on the exit sign. No, not a snake. I don't like them, but they're eerie still. No, just a good old human that looks like every other human that is now part of 4D chess to destroy churches, families, marriages, and children. And we play games with him like he's our buddy. The stuff we let our kids listen to, the things we watch on TV, the perversion of thoughts, the pornography, the, the pedophilia of the world, the perversion of the world just becomes normal. And most people today, I'm not saying we're all possessed, but I would say highly likelihood if you're dealing with the same problem over and over and over and over, you're probably playing hopscotch looking for a new supplement and the devil's playing 4D chess and he's having a field day with you. But that was Jesus. This is easy. You say, how is it easy? Because you can cast out a demon. Come out of there in Jesus' name. Jesus, every time he met one of them, oh, did you come to torment us before our time? Just come out of him. Well, can we just go into the pigs? Okay, go into the pigs. Why would they want to go into the pigs? Whole other teaching, but because they had been used to using animals. So if we can't use a human, we'll go use animals. Well, watch this because this is 4D chess. You did a snake, serpent, but we exposed it. Then he tried to have sex with women and create giants that could take over and pervert the image of God. That got exposed and annihilated. Then he decided to show up in humans instead of giants and snakes. He just thought, well, I'll just show up in your everyday Joe. But Jesus exposed that, that you can just cast that out. So the question becomes, uh, what about today? Because I still believe he's playing 4D chess and a lot of God's people are still playing hopscotch. Because the questions I'm getting here today, do you, do you think the Nephilim will come back? I'm like, dude, I don't know. But if they do, you'll see them. Don't be tricking you. They'll have to take up four seats on an airplane. Just saying. So will he come as a serpent? I doubt it. Most of you keep them in an aquarium. You wouldn't be too scared of it. Is he going to come in demons? Well, he may into some people because there's some Christians that don't believe in demonic powers, but many Christians today just play with the devil. But he knows I can't pull that off because every time I try to get a human, you dabbling Christians cast him out. 
So he's got a 4D chest. What else could you change that you could be here, and here's the thing, and not see it coming? Because every generation didn't see it coming. The snake, serpent, didn't see that coming. Having sex with gods and beings, didn't see that coming. Judas Iscariot, the 11 others, didn't see that coming. Even when he left the upper room having communion, they had no clue it was him. Didn't see that coming. So every generation didn't see that coming. Here we are in 2023. What do you think it'll be like when Jesus comes? Here's your answer. Didn't see that coming. Because you're playing hopscotch. But if we play 4D chess, I can see it coming. Because I have to stop looking at the conduit and I have to look at the plan behind the conduit. And the plan behind the conduit is this in all three of them. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, that's right before He returns, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits. Things that are taught by demons. You ever want your mind blown? Devils aren't stupid. They teach you. They can teach you things. They can download things to humans. He says such teachings, verse 2, come through hypocritical liars. And then this phrase is highlighted in pink. Whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. And lo and behold, in one passage of Scripture, two verses, 4D chess has now been exposed. He does not come as serpents or giants or demons alone to this generation. He comes to do one thing, to sear your conscience. Because I can, I can identify a serpent in the field and I can cast out demons, but you can't cast out a seared conscience. I can't look, I'm going to pick on Leslie, I can't look at Leslie and go, I cast your hard conscience out. I can't do it. It's been seared. The word seared means that you, you played around with it so long that that which was evil became normal. It's why that Jesus could say the generation of Noah, they were dancing and eating and married and giving in marriage, but God said they're evil because you're doing full evil, but it feels like a party. You're fully evil, but you feel okay with yourself. The seared conscience is the most deadly thing out there because the seared conscience will call evil good. The seared conscience won't even think they're evil, but yet they're the most evil of all evil. The seared conscience cannot be cast out. The seared conscience can only be identified by the baptism of the Spirit coming in and rejuvenating you into a born-again human. We call them Christians. So what? You're a Christian. All I have to do is just sear your conscience, little Christian. And you'll become part of my 4D chest. I will allow you to come to church. I'll allow you to give money. I'll allow you to call believers home. I'll allow you to be religious. I will allow you to pray over your food. I will allow you to say the Lord's Prayer before sports games. I will allow you to wear bracelets and get tattoos of your God on your arm. But the one thing I'm doing while you're tattooing yourself with your Christian bumpers going to your Christian services, I just want you to know that as you do it, I'm playing 4D chess and I'm going to sear your conscience so that you're an ineffective, powerless person. 
You will look godly, but you will have no power. You will smell godly, but you will be able to do nothing against my kingdom. I will distract you, burn you out. I will cause you to chase everything of your desires in the name of the God you serve, never knowing that while you're chasing it, saying it's God, I'm using you the whole time for my glory. Because I'm playing with your conscience here and you're playing with religion. He will say this in Timothy, they will act religious, but they'll have no power. Stay away from them. That's the serpent. That's the Nephilim. Stay away from people like this. They will rot you to the core. Your generation is going to be a generation that doesn't reject God. They will embrace God, but have no power of a life change. They will embrace God, but they're still addicted to porn. They will embrace God, but they'll still hate the person that did them wrong. They will embrace God, but they'll never forgive. They'll embrace God, but they won't live holy. They act religious. They have zero power. This is how it will be when Jesus returns. And we're already there because our consciences are so seared that we're not even bothered by sinful behavior anymore. We excuse it rather than repent of it. Well, that's just my addiction. I just struggle with porn, Pastor. I mean, this is what I do. I, I mean, I'm tried. I mean, it's, it's, just my, it's just my meds. It's just my girlfriend. It's just my money. It's just like we've become masters of excuses rather than repenting. The reason I don't forgive them is you don't know what they did to me. I know that, but your conscience is seared because he says, forgive. And now you're making excuses. He says live holy, but you're making excuses because your conscience is seared. You've started giving yourself permission to live this way. You gave yourself permission to sleep with your girlfriend before you married him. I know, but we're just in love. And I mean, come on, sex, we love each other. It's love. I know it's love. Your conscience is seared because you call it love. He calls it fornication. You, you call it anger, he calls it bitterness. So that my conscience becomes seared so that I live in 2023 not really bothered by anything anymore. I'm not bothered by anything. Even my own children. We were listening to something on TV the other day and they said the F word. And, and it was only going to say the F word 482 times according to the document I read. But we were at F bomb 2. And I was like, ah, we might not need to watch this. That's a lot of them. Like, I'm good with maybe two, but yeah, that is so no. Like, my mother wouldn't even be good with two. Now get that devil out of my house. But I'm like, mom. And then my daughter, my daughter who's going on 18 says this. She says, dad, that's how everybody talks today. Everybody talks that way. That's normal. Well, I'm not saying that that's the devil working on my child, but there's already a generation that says evil is just normal. Perversion is normal. Transgender, normal. It's just all normal today. And I propose to you that when he returns, banned if you'll come, it will be to a culture who's abandoned the faith and has a seared conscience. And I would challenge you in 2023 right now that you're here 
Because so many people who follow Jesus for years are turning away. And they're saying things like this, I'm just sick of religion. I'm just deconstructing from that church stuff. That church stuff, you don't need the church stuff. And I'm like, what? Like that was Jesus' idea. The church is His body. You're rejecting the body of Jesus? Well, I don't do religion. Oh, no, no, I understand religion. You can't reject the church. The church is His body. He died for this body. We are the seed of righteous people gathered together in a gathering to worship His name. And you say you don't need that? It's a seared conscience. It's a seared conscience that says, I love Jesus, but you're riddled with sin. A seared conscience that said, I love God, but you're riddled with addictions. A seared conscience that says, I love Jesus and God and His family, but you have all of this darkness that you tolerate and make excuses for. It is the seared conscience. We're dealing with an entire generation abandoning the faith, looking for answers everywhere with seared consciences where nothing is wrong. YOLO, everything is fair game today. Just love me and accept me for who I am. As I said last week, let me just live my truth. And so when you hear this conversation like, what is the common denominator? A serpent? No. Nephilim? No. Demons? No. The common denominator is in everyone, their conscience became seared first. She's chatting with a snake, seared conscience. They're having sex with other beings, seared conscience. You walk with Jesus three years, but you sell Him out for 30 pieces of silver, a seared conscience. And here we sit today, more concerned about Nephilim than whether or not your conscience has been seared. Stand up, let me pray for you. I can't fix that. I can't cast your conscience out. But I would simply ask, are you striving to live godly? Do you hunger to live godly? Do you wake up striving to be more godly every day? To look more like Him? To smell like the Father? To talk like the Father God? To bear His image? To be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Do you wake up that way? Do you wake up going, I'm the light of the world and the salt of the earth? Do you wake up going, if you can use anything, God, today on my work, use me? Do you wake up knowing you're in the middle of a warfare, a cultural war for the generation in front of you? He's coming after your children and your grandchildren. And do you wake up and you're more concerned about your business that day? More concerned about your clothes that day? More concerned about your selfie that day? More concerned about your TikTok reel that day? Or are you more concerned that you're part of a kingdom that's in a war? We can open up and say, God, man, use me. Bow your heads and let me pray for you. As you come to say-